very merry draft miss to you. Thank you all for joining us today. My name is Kent Swanson. This is the AP Draft Show. And you blink and you're two weeks away from draft miss. I can't believe it. We're that close. And we got a lot to talk about. This is one of my favorite uh, shows of the year. We'll get to that in a second. All of the gang is here. And we'll start with my pal. Find him on Twitter at Jacob Morley. Jake Stack. Hello. Hey, what's up? How's it going? It's been a long week. I think I saw someone say, I think it was uh, Jeff Schwartz that was just like, I'm sick of draft takes. I'm ready for the draft to be here. And I think that's kind of where we are all at. Before the show started, we had a really good conversation about cocktails we would draft in the first few rounds. And I think that was more fun um, than talking about prospects right now. But here we are. We're for the people, man. We're for the people. We're here. We grind it out. We know this stuff, so you don't have to. And speaking of knowing a lot of stuff, pretty much everything, we're also joined today once again by our good pal Craig Stout. Craig, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. I love how Jake leads into the Drab Podcast with, none of us want to talk about this. <laughs> also, not, well. um, uh, for those wondering, Scotch on the Rocks, that's my round one pick. Um, I know that you all were probably wondering that. So I know our good pal, Mr. Matter Day Night Special, is joining us here <laughs> at Chief in Carolina. Matty, how we doing today, buddy? I'm a little disappointed because you told me you were going to sing that introduction and I didn't get any, any singing when you threw it to me. So I'm, I'm actually kind of sad now. I, my, my soul has now left the podcast. I was ready to talk draft, but then Craig just introduced me. Matter day, matter day, matter day, matter day, matter day. Please continue. No, thank you, Kent. You've made my night, so I'm good to go. I'm going to go to bed now. You guys can finish this up later. Uh, we're good, right? Matter Matterday night's all right. Good night, Matterday night. <laughs> Anyways, are, is that all you had to say, Matterday, or is that is that all? Is that it? I, I don't think I had anything ready other than wanting to hear Craig sing. So unless Craig sings, I think we're good. Craig, do you want to do you want to try? No. You sure? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm sure we Why? leave the we leave the singing to Hollywood over here. He's the one that's our karaoke star, that's our singing star. That's what we leave it to. Let's get to the draft. All right. Hey, how about this? Promo code Matterday M A T T U R D A Y. I'm gonna give it to the uh, here. We love you guys so much. We're gonna give it to you lower than what we give returning customers. Seven dollars. Matterday, promo code Matterday. Go to gum.co slash kcdraftguide21. Promo code Matterday with two, two T's. Gets you the KC Draft Guide for $7. How about that? Okay, this is one of my favorite days of uh, shows of the year. Very easily. We draft 10 players each that we think the Chiefs are going to take or could take. We create these little draft pools. And whoever has the most at the end wins. It is very hard to get one of these right. Because you got to look at, like, you'll kind of see. There, there's a bunch of different strategies to approach this. Sometimes you just try to hit on the round one pick so you load up on a bunch of guys that are going to go in the top 40, Matthew. Uh, and then and you hope you get one point. Or, you know, there's some other, you know, if, if you guess the pockets right, like the pockets that they'll, they'll attract, attack the draft, like where they'll attack the draft, you might land on two, like me last year, who has two points and no one else has more than one. And by no one else has more than one. Only Maddie has one. And Craig and Jake have zero still. Probably will after this year too. 
Uh, so anyway, so we all take it. We, we do a snake style draft. We each draft 10 players. It's kind of our pool of players that we think uh, the Chiefs will potentially take. And we're going to just go and kind of reveal the results of that. So, Jake, I'm just going to read off your, total, your, your, uh, your picks real quick, let you talk about your strategy, and then have you profile a couple guys. So, Jake went with offensive tackle Dylan Radins out of North Dakota State, offensive tackle Sam Cosme out of Texas, linebacker Pete Warner out of Ohio State, tight end Brevin Jordan out of Miami, linebacker Derek Barnes out of uh, Vanderbilt. Sorry, I froze for a second. Edge Jordan Smith out of UAB. Wide receiver Josh Palmer out of Tennessee. Cornerback Robert Rochelle out of Central Arkansas. Tight end Hunter Long out of Boston College. And tight end Noah Gray out of Duke. What was your overall strategy here, Jake? A few things. One, I mean, you pretty much laid into it already. I'm not very good at this. I have not. I feel like I haven't even gotten close. I did. I will say, if you were listening, if you were watching the YouTube live of us last year i nailed the clyde edwards alaire pick but it's a lot easier to do that once the board has fallen like if you want to ask me at pick 30 who i think the chiefs are is going to are going to take my answer is going to be completely different probably but here is my strategy one is i only really took two guys that i think are good and i took <laughs> i took eight guys that i don't think are very good because uh the chiefs have had a tendency you know, the last couple of years to pick players that aren't very good. <laughs> so that's what I did. Um, and the two players, I, I made a sandwich of the two players that I think are actually good in Ray Dunce and Noah Gray. And everyone else is kind of a mixed bag in between where it's like, hmm, okay, cool. That's the guy. Neat. He's probably not going to be very good. Um, so that's that was my strategy. And the second layer of my strategy was I picked guys that I thought would piss you guys off if they took. Um, so like, for example... <laughs> Like for example, uh, Pete Warner. If they take Pete Warner, Matt Matthew's gonna be so pumped that they took him because he loves Pete Warner, and Craig is gonna be so mad because Matt would get to gloat over Craig about that pick, and I would get the point. Um, another guy that I did that <laughs> with is um, is Josh Palmer, a guy that has had a lot of. Uh, a lot of discourse in the in the group chat about Josh Palmer because Kent thinks he's the next Megatron, um, and none of us else are. Except, hold, <laughs> Mega, Megatron hold Palmer, Kent, you have a top seventy five grade on Josh Palmer. No regrets. Ah. Okay, good so if they take him, he's if like they take him. He does the, he does all the little things. He's well. good. I, I don't not like him. I think he's a guy that I think is good. Um, so I took him. Um, I took the two tackles I took in Cosme and Radon. So those are two guys that I actually legitimately think could be Chiefs um, at pick 31. That was kind of my first round strategy. And then everyone else is kind of a mix in between. Um, Robert Rochelle is funny as well because I don't think anyone would be happy with that pick because I don't think any of us particularly think he's that good. But he fits like all of their pro athletic profile uh, measurements. So uh, it would be – I just would get a lot of like personal satisfaction out of that. And then the last guy I took, I'm gonna that I'm actually gonna dive into a little bit is Noah Gray, and I think he's he's a fun one to talk about, and I think you guys want to talk about Cosme as well, and um, I'll, I'll I'll just I'll set you guys up for that one, but I do want to talk about Noah Gray, and Noah Gray, the tight end out of Duke, he is a smaller type, uh, <clears throat> you know, H, he's more of an H back type, I think, 
Um, but I think when you look at him and kind of what I wrote about him in the KC draft guide is if the Chiefs were to take a player like him, I think you have a play caller in Andy Reid uh, that could use him creatively. I think he can play some in line. I think he can play some slot. I think you could line him up as a fullback. And I think, you know, Noah Gray on that little wheel route that they used to throw to the sausage is is terrifying to me. Um, I, I'm envisioning Noah Gray as a juice check type player um, in Andy Reid's offense, a guy that can just kind of do everything. He's going to be a special teams darling as well. He's going to be one of those guys that um, you can have on the team that will basically do everything for the team, um, including, you know, watering the watering the yard. Like he will do it all. Uh, so Noah Gray is a guy that he's a my guy as well. He's, he's one of my 10 my guys in this draft class. So I love Noah Gray. I love his game. Um, and I think what he would bring to Kansas City could be a lot of fun. Uh, it isn't going to be an inline guy. It probably isn't going to be Travis Kelsey's eventual replacement. But I think he's a good player. And I think when you anytime you can draft good players, um, it's something that is kind of been rare for the Chiefs. So that would be something that I would like to see them do in this year's particular draft class. Um, so, Matthew, I know you were kind of a fan of Noah Gray as well uh, when we went through this process. Talk to me about Noah Gray. What did you like about the kid? Oh, I mean, I think you kind of nailed it in terms of how I think the Chiefs would have to use him. If he went to certain teams, you could definitely use him as more of a move tight end, split him out wide a little bit, and just use him as a receiver. But since the Chiefs are very much good there with Travis Kelsey right now, his best role for the Chiefs would be as an H-back, a role that is a little bit opened up with Anthony Sherman gone, but at the same time, the Chiefs brought in Burton here recently, and, you know, Andy's very advanced in his offensive game plan, but boy, does he have something against embracing the future of football and using an H-back over a fullback. It's like, that's where my one holdup is with him as a fit, but if the Chiefs did it, I would love it. I, I think Noah Gray has really good hands. I think he's a good receiver, and he's more than willing to compete as a blocker. So I like the concept of, using him as a lead blocker, as a guy to get out in space and block on the move because he's willing to. I just don't think he would hold up in line. So it's just the Chiefs would have to kind of invent a position they haven't used in the past to make him fit, but I think he'd excel there. Yeah, and he's definitely, I think, a day three target, someone that you want to tinker with. But uh, the other guy that I, ha I have highlighted that I want to talk about and hear your guys' thoughts on as well is Sam Cosme. And basically, my, my take on him is I do get I get big time Jason Spriggs vibes from him when I watch him on tape. You look at this guy who's a, a freak athlete, a really solid mover. I think he struggles to anchor. I think he struggles with just overall functional strength. And is that something that Kansas City can use right away? I think he probably would be one of their top two tackles from Jump Street. But um, how effective will he be his rookie year? Um, and Craig, if if he were the Chiefs pick, where does he play, and how effective could he potentially be as a young player for this team? Man, that's a big question because he does have right at that 33-inch arm length. We know Andy Reid likes to draft a little bit longer tackles to put on the edge there. He typically kicks those 33 years a little bit more inside. But I think that Cosme's got the foot speed to be able to control the edge there. I know the length there is try and make the edge rusher have to take a longer path to the quarterback. Cosme's able to mirror pretty well up the arc. He's able to really kind of extend things. So he, he does gain back some of the stuff that he may lose to some other guys with links. So I do think that they would try and play him at tackle. Like you said, he is an athlete. He moves very effortlessly. He really kind of, he he looks like a, a different kind of player than some of the other tackles that you can see, you know, lined up on the outside there. You typically don't see guys his size 
move like he does. I think there's a little bit of, you know, kind of Eric Fisher athleticism there. They can pull him out in space. They can get him work there too. Andy Reid would certainly know how to use a guy like this despite a little bit shorter arms. So I do think that it's a pretty good pick. I think there's a a shot, even though he lacks that desired length, that he could make up for it in some other spots. Yeah, and real quick, I know Kent said last week on the show too, like Sam Cosme and the Dylan Radins is of the world. That is just like a, a cold glass of water to the face. It just makes you realize, hey, we're picking at 31. You know, so this might be the best guy on the board. And I do think they're kind of pigeonholed into offensive tackle um, in this in this first round. Yeah, my thing with Cosme is I like him. He's a big swing. I think you start to dive into kind of athletic metrics of offensive tackles. He fits a lot of stuff from 10-yard splits to short shuttles that guys usually excel at when they have that level of athleticism. It's just it's really hard for me to get past some of his footwork and pad level or leverage issues to think he's going to be ready early on. But by the end of his rookie contract, I do think Sam Cosme should be a player that starts in the NFL. So like I get that pick 100% if the Chiefs go that route, would have nothing against it. But I would definitely would not be doing backflips off my couch to select Sam Cosme in the first round. If uh, you know if the Chiefs are going to adhere to some stricter arm le- arm measurement. You know, we've said it a lot. They're going to they're going to stick to it. The pool's smaller, but if you expand it a little bit, there is a lot more talent there. I'll say that. All right, Craig, you went with offensive tackle Stone Forsyth out of Florida, Edge Peyton Turner out of Houston, interior offensive lineman Landon Dickerson out of Alabama, cornerback Elijah Molden out of Washington. Uh Edge Deo Odeyingbo, Odeyingbo, out of Vanderbilt. Wide receiver Rashad Bateman, Minnesota. Safety Jacoby Stevens, LSU. Cornerback Bryce Thompson out of Tennessee. Edge Rashad Weaver out of Pitt. And tight end Pat Fryermuth out of Penn State. What was your strategy? Give us a few guys you want to want to profile. My strategy was picking all the players that the Chiefs are going to pick because you guys didn't, and I did. So. Um, Ooh. I'm just, I'm just saying, Spicy. I mean, I, we know that the chiefs are going to target some offensive linemen. I, I picked stone Forsyth. I think he's one of the better fits in the class at that, you know, because he ticks a lot of boxes. We'll come back to him. Landon Dickerson is a guy that everybody loves. I think that if he was healthy, he would certainly be on the chiefs radar. So if he passes their medical checks, he's a guy that makes a lot of sense for them. I mean, Pat Fryermuth, another offensive weapon. Same with Rashad Bateman. Guys that are going to be in that upper, you know, first, second, third round range there. Guys that they can go and target and make an immediate impact on the offense. And then on the defensive side of the ball, a slot corner, a couple edges in Peyton Turner and Deo Yingbo that make a lot of sense for Spagnolo, And then at versatile chess pieces in Jacoby Stevens and Bryce Thompson. Let's start with Stone Forsyth, though. Florida offensive tackle, 34 and three-eighths inch arms, and a guy that when he's in his pass set, locks guys up. We watched him play against Aziz Ojolari, a guy that's potential first round edge you know, player, a guy that's going to be good in the NFL likely, and he locked him up. Uh, he didn't have much problem at all with Ojolari in the past game. He was able to drop deep, deep, deep in his sets, something that we know that the Chiefs are going to have to protect against because Patrick Mahomes likes to drift out of the back of the pocket a little bit. So 
he makes a lot of sense as a day one guy even. Now, he's not a great run blocker. And he's got some inconsistencies. I mean, he's got a lot of stuff to smooth out. But the athleticism, the size, the the way that he can get into his pass set, it just makes so much sense with what Andy Reid has to offer there. Matty, I know you agree. I know you're a big Stone Forsyth fan as well. I am. I really like Stone Forsyth. And to go behind the uh, behind the scenes a little bit, Jake decided to pull a joke on us when we were doing this, and he went ahead and put in a pick for Craig and told me it was my turn. So I went ahead and drafted Stone Forsyth in the first round of our draft, and we just kept going on, and then Craig comes back and says, no, 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 that's not my pick. Jake was pulling a fast one on you. Give me your pick instead, because I'm the Renaissance man, and this is how I do. So I had to let this pick go, which I think is very clearly like the top pick. This is your number one of number one seeds in terms of a fit in this game for the Chiefs. The Chiefs went down to the Florida Pro Day. Their offensive line coaches did the Pro Day drills for the offensive linemen down there. He fits the profile. There's a bunch of reasons he fits. My one holdup with Stone Forsyth is simply why is the NFL not in on him? Why is he a redshirt senior from a major SEC program that played deep into you know college football or like they were close to making the college football playoff they were a team that people cared about he didn't even get a senior bowl invite to my knowledge is there a disconnect between how we see him and what the nfl may think of him i don't know so maybe this is a guy that we're a little higher on than the nfl is we will have to see but that was kind of, that's my only one hold up with him is once you start getting the pick and i'll talk about this when it's my draft after like pick 50, I don't, or 63, I guess this year, I don't want to attempt to pick guys that the Chiefs are going to draft after pick 63 because it is such a crapshoot at that point in time. I, you know, for me, the thing about Forsyth, I, that to kind of hit on what you're talking about, Maddie, is he's 6'8. You know, he's, he's a huge human. And it, I just, there's not a lot of guys that have been successful that are that tall. And the and not that, not that he can't be, but the list is short. And I think, you know, when you watch him, I think he struggles with a lot of the thing that a lot of things that those taller guys tend to struggle with. Um, and to just, you know, to just hit on the point as well, if you would have been paying attention to the person I put in for Craig, you would not have made that mistake. I just, I need to say that attention to details, Maddie. One of the things like Maddie said, Stone Forsyth, prime 1A candidate, a, a high draft pick. I don't necessarily that, think that that's because he's the, candidate at pick 31 necessarily or like the prime candidate at 31 i think he's in play at 31 but he could be in play at 63 too like it wouldn't surprise me if there's a run on tackles and they're just desperate for a guy maybe that they reach up and go grab a stone forsyth um but i think i think you know top 64 picks i think he makes i think he's a guy that makes a lot of sense and i think he can pass protect pretty quickly I do think I do agree. There probably there might be a little bit of natural leverage issue there for him, but uh, that's another story for another day. Uh, Rashad Weaver, Craig. Let's talk a little bit more about him. We've talked some about him. Senior Bowl guy, Pittsburgh. Ideal Spags defensive end. Yeah, <laughs> I, he he's missing a couple of uh, you know the the standards for Spags. One of them is weight, although he has played above that weight. He just weighed in a little bit less than that. And then the other one is bench, and that's not necessarily one of the deal breaker 
numbers for Steve Spagnuolo. So he does fulfill a lot of the other quotas. He's a guy that can play on the edge. He's got a little, I mean, he's stiff, but he's got a little bit of cornering ability. He's got a very defined pass rush plan, especially at the draft range that he's probably looking at. You're probably looking at maybe the end of round three that before he goes. He's he's not going to be particularly explosive. He's not going to be bendy, but he's going to set a good hard edge, and he's going to be able to kick inside and rush the passer as well from the inside. We know how much Steve Spagnuolo loves those types of players that are high IQ, good pass rush plans, and have that versatility. I think you can catch him a little bit later. I think that you might be able to catch him even on day three. It might be early day three, but a guy that did not have a good senior bowl looked pretty bad out there in Mobile, and then didn't test great either. So I think that maybe, you know, everybody's looking a little bit down on Rashad Weaver, but a guy that did have some round two hype, you know, during last season, he was a guy that was a first team All-American last year. Like uh, he, he garnered some accolades but I just don't think that he fits a lot of the types of a lot of these teams. Steve Spagnuolo may be able to catch a guy that can you know, contribute early and be able to offer that versatility. Yeah, as far as a physical profile, I think he very much fits. I know he's checked in a little bit under 260 pounds, but you look at his frame and I don't think it would be that difficult to put a couple extra pounds back on him. He's been listed at higher than that multiple different years at Pittsburgh. So I think that is one of the numbers that can fluctuate a little bit. Now, in the past, it hasn't always. So, I mean, there is a reason that these numbers that have been reported at the Combine have been part of the Steve Spagnuolo kind of thresholds. Like, it is in there. That it is officially he is under the weight limit. I just think that's the one that is the easiest to control for the team or the player. That's it. my kind of two big concerns with Weaver. Or One, there is a, just a complete lack of pass rush juice. I kind of find his skill set a little redundant with Mike Dana. I think they're both slow burn pass rushers that aren't really going to, you don't want them playing on third downs. Now, I do think Weaver has a better pass rush plan. I do think he's a little bit bendier. I just don't think either guy are ideal passing down players. And secondly, for a guy that has what looks to be the right kind of profile, I don't think he played super stout versus the run. He needs some technique work on how to play the run the way Steve Spagnuolo wants. If you're going to change to a little bit more of a Brendan Daly with New England slanting and slashing attack, Makes a lot of sense. But the typical playing through the tackle, through extension, I don't think that's his game yet. I also do need to go back and watch Weaver pre-knee injury. I've had some people tell me that he looked a lot more explosive before the knee injury. Obviously, he didn't test that way, but he could still be recovering. I've just had a couple people now that I've heard say that. Yeah, I think I don't have much to add after that. I think, Matt, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Um he, he is a little bit redundant. I don't think he is the type of guy that, you know, like you mentioned, he's not the type of guy that's going to like wow you with his get off or anything like that. I think he's going to be a good player in the national football league, but I just don't think if he, you know, I just don't think he's the type of guy that um, you could hang your hat on and say, this guy can be a cornerstone of our defense, but does he fit a lot of boxes? Does he fit a lot of stuff that Spags is going to want to do? Absolutely. So um, could I see him being a chief when it's all said and done? Yeah. I think that was actually a, a really good pick. Yeah, if, uh, if Frank Clark is not healthy and they're having to start Mike Dana and Rashad Weaver on the outside with Jerron Reed on the inside, that's a really slow burn pass rush. They'll get home. <laughs> it's just going to be five seconds into the rep. All right, let's take a break. We'll be back with Matt and I's top 10 right after this. 
All right, we're revealing our draft pools for players that we think the Chiefs will take. That means basically the top 40 guys that we think have a chance to be drafted by the Chiefs. Matt went offensive tackle Walker Little out of Stanford. Offensive tackle Spencer Brown out of Northern Iowa. Offensive tackle Deontay Smith out of Eastern Carolina. I'm sensing a trend. Offensive tackle Christian Derrissaw out of Virginia Tech. Edge Jason Owa out of Penn State. Edge Gregory Rousseau out of Miami. Edge... Jalen Phillips out of Miami, Edge Chauncey Golston out of Iowa, cornerback Greg Newsom out of Northwestern, cornerback Kelvin Joseph out of Kentucky. Really just playing for a point there, pal. 100%. That's exactly what I'm doing here. Anybody that's listened to this exact podcast every year knows this is my strategy. I think that one point is going to win this nine out of 10 seasons. I think that you got lucky last year throwing darts with the blindfold and you have gone on multiple 10-minute spiels about how you have more points just following in my footsteps after I won the first year. That's okay. You can be second to get there. That's all right. But the the point of this is you just need to get one guy right, and you're probably going to win or at worst tie. I'm not picking anybody. I picked one player that I think might go out of the top 63 picks, but my goal is to go with the top 63 with a heavy emphasis on the first round because that's the easiest to predict. Once you get outside of the first round, especially once you get set out of the second round, it's all about team fits. You don't know how much that affects a team's boards. The Detroit Lions might have a scheme that fits perfectly, a guy that you think would work for the Chiefs that you have to going in day three that they love on day two. It gets way too dicey for me. So I just came out, drafted a bunch of offensive tackles that fit the mold that Andy Reid likes. A lot of big guys with long arms. I took some, the longest armed offensive tackle, Deontay Smith. Took another guy with Spencer Brown who hits 34 inches. Walker Little's right there. Christian Darisaw was the one pick that I was a little up in the air about because I do think it would require most likely a trade up for him. But and this is kind of why I took him. This is my hot take of the draft season. Christian Darisaw is going to be the fifth offensive tackle or offensive lineman off the board so you're going to get Sewell you're going to get Slater I think Tevin Jenkins goes before him and I think Elijah Vera Tucker goes before him at minimum that's going to put Darisaw around the 20 range you maybe get another guy that goes before him or even just being the fifth offensive lineman he might be a guy that you can trade up and get puts him on the Chiefs radar that's why I started with him he fits the physical profile issues with work ethic maybe there's rumblings that he may not have the best work ethic going on so you do have to flush that out if you're the Chiefs but you want to talk about a guy that has the athleticism to take these vertical sets be a good pass protector a guy that can get out in space and move he fits a lot of what the Chiefs like at that position all right Christian Darisaw I you're right I think he might be a trade-up candidate I think you're absolutely right um if he falls, I could see the Chiefs maybe you know being a little bit aggressive because they want to try to go identify a game with the requisite arm length and a guy with a little bit more ceiling. I think that he's a little bit more established than some of these other guys here in this class. Um, but I do think you know what you're kind of talking about earlier too. You know, Maddie, they might like honestly they they might they might value a Spencer Little. They might value a Spencer a Spencer Brown a Walker Little a Spencer Brown a little bit more than I like. You know, and they like some of the profile. They like the athletic profile, the arm length. This might be a situation like what you're kind of talking about with some of these exceptions outside of the first round. Maybe that's, you know, maybe that's a move that they wind up going and, and, and grabbing a Spencer Brown, which I wouldn't love, but I think I would start to understand a little bit. Uh, but Christian Darisaw, Craig, what do you like about him? I, I mean, I like his length. 
I like I, I like how he plays when he switched on. Like his good reps are OT three worthy. Like he deserves uh, the gap between Sewell and Slater to Derisaw when he's playing well is not as big as maybe some make it out to be. The problem is it's just a, a lack of consistency. If the Chiefs are trading up for him, they believe that they can get the most out of him. They believe that he's going to show up, he's going to work, that they've got the locker room for him to be able to come in and play switched on from day one. And if that's the case, they got themselves a very good player. I just really question that ethic. I really question what he's able to do, you know, from a game in to game out situation. I just, he does make a lot of sense from an athletic and a length profile. And again, when he's on, he's really good. So the Chiefs are making that move. I, I feel pretty good about it because they obviously feel good about it too. Right. I think you, you know, you know that when he's playing well, his tape is really good. That's the bottom line. And the fact of the matter is he's not always on, though, right? That's that's the big question. Uh, can you get that out of the guy? But we're talking about guys that the Chiefs want to draft, and and can't you? I think can't you're right. Like if they want to trade up, and or or just sit, stand pat and maybe maybe snag a guy that's falling, he checks every box, right? He's gonna check every box for the Chief. He would be a really really hard person to pass up, and a really difficult person for them to sit on their hands and not trade up to go get if they really, really value, you know, these thresholds that they set because he's kind of the last in this range. He's kind of one of those guys. It's like, it's him or there's some guys that you're going to have to stretch a little bit on. Um, So I, I like that pick. I like the Derisaw pick. I think both those Virginia Tech kids are kind of interesting, right? Derisaw and Farley of like, where are they going to go? Um, So mm-hmm. um, there, there are two guys in this year's draft class that I think are going to be kind of keys um, to how things unfold. But that's a, that's a fun pick right there for Matt. Funny you mentioned Farley, because if I could go back and change one pick of this, it would have been Darisaw out for Caleb Farley, because that kind of goes back to my strategy here is, as you guys, when Kent was reading them off, I just focus on specific positions that are going in that that range, and so if I could have traded Darisaw out for Caleb Farley, paired him with Greg Newsom and Kelvin Joseph, I would have felt like I had the end of the first round cornerback market completely cornered to myself. I have the long-armed offensive tackles all to myself besides Stone Forsyth. So like I'm just picking spots that I think the Chiefs will attack. And that's why I also went with Jason Owa, Jalen Phillips, Chauncey Golston, and then Gregory Rousseau. All bigger, long-armed defensive ends. Jason Owa's a little bit lighter, but he's still growing. He fits the Steve Spagnuolo mold outside of weight. I'm targeting Chiefs-specific needs in the way they like players. Gregory Rousseau is the interesting one to me, though. I think we're coming out now, a lot of draft Twitter and, you know, media scouts are lower on him because his tape really isn't that good. His athletic testing was absolute garbage. So you're starting to all of a sudden see people coming back on him. And I, I can't help but sit here and think, what does Gregory Rousseau not do infinitely better than Breland Speaks, who was a Chiefs draft pick in the second round? Gregory Rousseau is a, simply a better prospect in every way than Breland Speaks. He fits their thresholds. You want to argue that you can coach him up and get him to be better? It makes a ton of sense. He makes perfect sense to replace Tano Passanio. He's got a lot of work to get done with his hands with understanding his rush up the arc if he's going to play defensive end. His footwork up the arc is horrendous. That's why he's mostly effective slashing and stunting back inside. But there's a lot of tools to work with, even without great athleticism, I think the Chiefs might be one of the few teams that would still value just his 
frame over his athletic ability. You know, and going back to what you said too, Matt, about um, about cornering the cornerback market at the end of the first round. Typically, in the past, you know, we haven't been right about their first round picks. So you cornering all those guys and then leaving off like Melifonu, that pretty much just guarantees Melifonu is going to be the pick. Um, so you guys can just go ahead and write it down because uh, none of us took him. But uh, I think I've talked about Rousseau on this show, and this was I think this was pre pre-testing and he didn't test like terribly he just didn't test great you know and so i think you're right like what does he do that warrants a first round draft pick like what does he do he's tall and he's he moves well um i think people have been calling him soft recently and i never like to say that about you know football players that but he kind of does play he's a finesse player for sure and so i think you would say well what would spags like to do with him i've gone out in the past and said he could use him similar to he to how he used JPP in in uh, New York. But I think I've cooled on that take even, just because I don't necessarily think he can be the type of guy you can kick inside consistently. Um, but he does check the length box. He does check the density box. A lot of stuff that Kansas City likes, um, he checks those boxes. So, again, and we know, we know that – uh, Veach loves to take home run swings, and I think that's exactly what Rousseau would be. Um, so could he be another swing for the fences? Maybe. Oh, he's a big swing. And it's funny, he doesn't look filled out at all. And so it's fascinating to see how a team would try to utilize him, what a team would like to do with his body. And honestly, I don't know how much we've seen of him recently just from a physical standpoint. I mean, I, I believe we saw him test out, but like there wasn't a ton of pictures out of him. It's curious to see how well he's filling out. Um, but yeah, I mean, the logic train on this makes a lot of sense, Maddie. And I hate that it makes a lot of sense. I don't love Greg Russo. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I, 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 I fall farther out of like with him the more I watch him, but I understand why a team might want to take a swing on him, especially since he had a lot of production his final year too. Yeah. Uh, that production 15 and a half sacks. 19 and a half tackles for loss. Like you, you can't look the other way at that. He was a second team, all American. So, and a first team, all ACC. So uh, he, he definitely produced before sitting out this last year. I just think he's one of those guys that's kind of been put on the back burner because people didn't see him play and then saw, you know, Jalen Phillips and Quincy Roche step in and that they, they look good in Miami. So a lot of it's going to be questions about, scheme questions about what he can bring especially since he's not a super twitchy athlete off the edge that those are things that teams covet i can see him falling clear out of the first round and into the mid-second and then a team picking him up and hoping that they can use that length and that strength because he's going to be able to play the run pretty well it's just questions about whether or not he's going to be able to translate that 15 and a half sacks to the NFL with a limited pass rush plan and lacking some of the you know some of the explosion and everything like that that he's going to need to win in the NFL. Yeah, and I think we talked about it with Rashad Weaver too. Like, what if he would have came back this this last year? Was he is he going to be a guy that people will talk about kind of through this draft process? Is you know we were talking about Rousseau as a top fifteen pick kind of at the beginning of this draft process, kind of similar to how Weaver was considered a first round type guy before he came back and you've got more tape on him. So it's one of those things that's super interesting. And I think Rousseau is 
100% like a COVID year type draft pick of one of these guys that opted out that teams probably wanted to see more, but you are, you are basing this off of one, basically one season for a former wide receiver and how he's going to translate to NFL edge, you know, maybe potentially kick inside. So what a projection he is. I mean, it's just wild. Well, and that's just the last little thing here is that's why I think the Chiefs make a lot of sense because they're one of the teams that don't seem to value specific athletic traits in terms of speed or flexibility or even strength in terms of their edge rushers. They are a team that is very much focused on the body type and the frame and the density. And Russo fits all of those things. The Chiefs might be one of the few teams that still hold him in the top 50 compared to everybody else. Speaking of size and a lack of flexibility, uh, it's time to reveal my top 10, the winner uh, of this competition for 2021, uh, the second straight win for me uh, incoming. I went with Edge Carlos Basham out of Wake Forest. Uh, offensive lineman Jackson Carmen out of Clemson. Cornerback Benjamin St. Juiced uh, out of Minnesota. Uh, offensive tackle Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State. Cornerback Asante Samuel out of Florida State. Uh, wide receiver Nico Collins out of Michigan. Wide receiver Seth Williams out of Auburn. Tight end Tommy Trimble uh, out of Notre Dame. Offensive lineman Jalen Moore out of Western Michigan. And edge Janarius Robinson out of Florida State. So I went with guys. I, I had an overarching thought of just guys that kind of – fall in that maybe late 31 probably day two kind of range uh so i grabbed a lot of those type of players um i pro i want to make sure to go out and grab a couple x type wide receivers uh janarius robinson and jalen moore jalen moore has the arm length uh and andy likes arm length it, do, it doesn't necessarily just have to be um you know it doesn't necessarily just have to be tackles he likes his guards with long longer arms too uh, so I went with him that has some of the measurables that might wind up getting him a little bit earlier. Same with Janarius Robinson, a great athletic profile that maybe he has a little bit of a fourth round grade, but I could see him going on day two. So there's a lot of, I, I think guys that could catch a few picks in day one and day two. So similar to Maddie, but I kind of open it up and expand it just a little bit more. But let's talk about Carlos Basham out of Wake Forest. And I'll be honest with you. I'm kind of just, I, I, I have this sinking feeling in the pit of my soul that Basham's going to be the Chiefs pick at 31. I have this and look, I don't hate the player and we talked a lot about him, but I'm starting to just like it's almost like just coming to some level of acceptance that it's going to be the pick. I know that sounds weird and this isn't sourced or anything. I'm not saying that. I just I don't know. He makes a lot of sense from a guy that has a lot of inside versatility that showed out the senior bowl there. Big profile. Um, it, it, if the Chiefs are profile you know intensive i mean he fits everything he is stiff <laughs> um he showed a lot of explosion in his pro day but doesn't show it on the field doesn't really show ability to turn a corner don't love the variety in his pass rush um but he does a lot of the things that the chiefs like he has a lot of the things the chiefs covet and he'd be a reach so perfect yeah um Long, stiff, and non-explosive. Uh, I, too, am getting sick of talking about Steve Spagnola edges, but that's what we have to deal with, guys. So, um, Boogie Basham makes a lot of sense. 
from all of those things. He did have a streak of 23 straight games with a tackle for loss, so it's not like he was a spotty with his production. That's good. He regularly made plays. Like Kent said, we saw him line up a lot more on the inside, wearing you know 280 pounds at the Senior Bowl, and he won on the inside and looked really good doing it. So I think that a guy like Brett Reach would see him and say, hey, I really like that versatility. At the very least, we have somebody that we can line up at three tech and we know can win quickly on the interior. He's not necessarily a slow burn guy on the interior. I think that gives you another quick win on the interior and you can explain it away do it using that logic. I just don't know if you're going to be able to line them up consistently on the edge and say, win up the arc, beat some of these tackles with your speed rush. I just don't foresee that being the case with Bogey Basham, but I can see the logic behind him playing some early down run and winning there, getting tackles for loss there, and then kicking inside and being a quick winner as an interior pass rusher. He makes some sense for the Chiefs. I think... You know, we talked about JPP with Spags in uh, New York, and I'm going to give you another Giants name that I think you could kind of comp to Basham, and that's Osi uh, Uminyora. And he was another guy that I think could play on the edge, can kick inside. And another guy that didn't necessarily win with flexibility and won with more just, you know, being a raw explosive type strong athlete. And I think that is Basham's game. So I think it's boring to talk about because like, these aren't the flashy guys, you know, the guys that we all love, but also it, not every edge rusher wins that way in the NFL. There are plenty of really successful edge rushers that win with, with power and speed hand usage. Uh, and I think that's Basham. And I think if he were to end up in Kansas city, that maybe is not the most exciting pick, but I think he could be a really good player for the chiefs. I really do. And I think Spags is, um, probably drooling over him and I think he probably is having flashbacks to those days in New York where he had all those really talented guys in the Omenura, the Strahans, the Tucks, the JPP and that those positions that they just really valued when he was in New York and so I think you know if he has any say in this draft and I think he does um, I think he's going to be in Andy Reid's ear about getting him some more guys that can get after the quarterback and I think a guy like Basham is going to bring a certain level of versatility with the density, with the length, with all the boxes that are checked. Uh, I really like this pick. I think this was Kent's first round pick. And um, that's a good pick. I, this is probably my favorite pick of Kent's draft, which will take fourth place. So it's funny for a collective group of people that aren't as high on Carlos Basham as I think a lot of people were at least midway through the season. He's got a lot of runtime on our podcast as of late. Like he really has. We've talked about him a lot as of late. And it's because I think it's, it's, it, it's weird. It's just because he's weird. There's like, it's kind of weird because I'm stuck in a place where I'm coming around on him, but also don't want to touch him at 31, but also I'm accepting the fact that it's, it's my fault. Like I'm blaming well, myself. He's rising. I do think he's rising up boards. He had a strong senior bowl in mobile. I don't think he was terrible when he played edge at the senior bowl either. I want to be very clear with that. He just doesn't look and move like a traditional edge rusher. I think when you think of him and then when he kicked inside, I thought he was really good, but here's, I think why he's really starting to catch on again. And maybe it's, you know, subconsciously for us or whatever, he used 274 pounds at his pro day and ran a 7-1-3-3 cone and a 4-2-5 short shuttle. That's flexibility. At that size, yeah. that's 
elite flexibility at that size. You pair that up with, you know, the explosive testing, which was also very good. The 40 time, like, he tested like an essential freak, and he did it at 274 pounds. I think that's kind of re- rejuvenated a little bit of his draft stock. It's made people go back, watch 2019 a little bit more, in which he was better. I still didn't love him from a pure edge rusher, but I get the fit with the Chiefs. I just think that's funny that lately we've talked about him like on four straight podcasts and we aren't the highest people on him. It's because I'm so emotional right now trying to process everything about Carlos Boogie Basham. He's just boogieing through my mind. You don't have the draft guide to absorb your every waking moment, so now you're actually thinking about ways that the draft can hurt you again. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> that's actually true. This isn't even a Craig. This isn't even a joke, and I hate how this is why they call him are. the Renaissance Man. You just got Doctor oh, filled by Craig. He just saw right through your soul. <laughs> saw right through you. He did. That was like just. I mean, he's even kind of like he's got like a he's got a psychiatrist posture right now almost or like the the, the well, there you have it. Next Q and A, guys, just ask Craig all your life problems and he'll answer them live on the pod. Maybe we should do draft therapy next year or next week. Just we we all just come to Craig. We all just come to Craig and just tell him our problems with this draft, our fears and anxieties, and Craig tells us if they're real or not. Uh yeah, no, we're doing that. I just I think we need to do that in some capacity. Anyways, okay. One quick guy to talk about before we get out of here. Uh, Seth Williams out of Auburn. So I went and grabbed a couple more raw prospects that have the above the rim ability, have the, you know, X profile type uh, that, you know, can kind of win as guys that are going to, you know, throw up and give them a chance to catch a football early in their career as they develop as a pure X receiver, give them time to maybe get some production, but also develop. And these are two guys I really like Nico Collins and Seth Williams, Seth Williams, uh, I do think he's an above the rim player. He's got great body control for a man his size. Uh, some, you know, 50 50 balls are not 50 50. I know he's one of Maddie's favorite guys in this class. I like me some Seth Williams. I just think you have to, similar to Christian Darisaw, it's hard to know what you're going to get from him play in and play out week by week. And I get it. Playing with Bo Nix will do that to anybody. Like, if I played with Bo Nix and I had to rely on him to get me the football, like, I may not care every single play. But he went out there and he gave the business to Kentucky's secondary to start the season. Like, he completely wrecked Joseph and their other cornerback, Brandon Eccles, I believe is his name. He had a day against those guys. And then J.C. Horn stole his soul. And then he went back and forth. It's just... He's very inconsistent right now, but I think for a guy of his size, he's explosive, he's a long strider, so he can stretch the field when he doesn't have to change directions. I don't hate his footwork in and out of breaks, he just definitely isn't the loosest guy, which is fine. He is a very linear, very tall guy that wins at the catch point. I think he can succeed in the NFL, just I don't have the confidence to take him in the first two rounds. Who is a worse quarterback? Bo Nix. Bo Nix. Shea Patterson. Oh, sorry. Bo Nix. <laughs> Bo So could we could we be talking about some Donovan Peoples Jones type syndrome here for Seth Williams I mean, when you're that, this is what I'm saying. We we see these offensive weapons and we're like, oh, okay, well, it's limited here and it's limited there. Is it limited because of the offense and the quarterback throwing them the ball? Maybe. Maybe. And I think I like Seth Williams too. And I, I really like Donovan Peoples Jones last year. And I think we saw in Cleveland his rookie year some of that potential to start being unlocked. Seth Williams could potentially be that type of player in Kansas City because 
Um, as Maddie alluded to, he, there's there's really no physical tool that he's missing. He has it all. He was, I think, he was a former five star type guy, and, and you know the NFL does value that. He is a good athlete. He tested well. He's got the size. If you want somebody to play on the outside in Kansas City, Seth Williams is a guy that I think you could get on late day two, early day three, uh, maybe later, that could come in and and be able to eventually do that for you. Uh, maybe maybe be able to run some vertical passage, you know, vertical be in some vertical packages um, early on in his career. And I think with Seth, you know, we talked about it with the quarterbacks. There are times that, yeah, he doesn't look very engaged at times and what's going on. And it's per- particularly if he's not involved and which is sometimes because Bo Nix um, is a running back, basically playing uh, quarterback, you know, and it's just, I mean, and I don't mean, Bo Nix is a, is a fine college quarterback, right? So whatever, but it just, it's tough for some of these guys to shine in the situations that they're in and you do have to dig deeper. I like Seth Williams as a, a chief fit. I think that would be a really fun pick for Kansas city. Um, He just is going to do a lot of stuff that they like to do on offense. Big play guy waiting to happen can be an absolute wrecking ball with the ball in his hands. Uh, He can be a lot of fun in the open field. So uh, Seth Williams is, is another fun pick. Um, for the fourth place, fourth place, Kent Swanson's. Yeah, put another point on the board for me. I'm going to get three this year and just be dunking all over Maddie all the way into the offseason. That is going to do it for the AP Draft Show. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back with the AP Laboratory on Friday. It is almost draft week. We are so close. By the draft guide. Love you. Catch you later.